I'm Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from around the world. Tonight, we will look at the way in which the Catholics of England and Ireland were able to maintain their faith in the midst of murderous persecution during the late 17th and early 18th centuries, the time of the penal laws, and what we might be able to learn from them today as we see an ever-increasing intolerance for Christianity and even attacks on Christians and our churches. Before we get to that, we want to speak briefly with EWT and Peter Genio about our coverage of this year's World Youth Day. Peter, what is going to happen with World Youth Day? So EW10 is going to be there with on-the-ground live coverage mm -hmm. of all the events. We're there in actually multiple languages, um, including um, languages from our various affiliates throughout, throughout the world, yeah. throughout Europe in yeah, particular. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll start with um, <laughs> the uh, opening mass, and then we will cover all the events. We'll have actually, uh, it'll be Father Mark will be there, Brother John Therese will be there, mm -hmm. um, Colm Flynn will be hosting our coverage. And um, we'll also be doing lots of interviews with, with the young people who are coming there from around the world mm -hmm. to get their thoughts on, on the faith and how they're living out their faith as young people, as young Catholics. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a really uh, tremendous event. Uh, we put a lot, a lot of resources into it because it's a very important event in the life of the church. <laughs> and, um, and it's very uh, uplifting for both the young and the older people to, to see uh, the beauty of the faith of, the, of these young people. And so mm -hmm. it's, um, look for a full coverage um, um, beginning August 1st through August 6th. And, um, and we have a whole website set up to it, uh, set up for the World Youth Day. So go to our EWTN.com page and click on the banner right there, the World Youth Day banner. And you can, um, you can also get links to all our different affiliates throughout the world on that page. So, and see other special program um, highlighting both Portugal and Lisbon and, uh, and specials on World Youth Day. Wonderful. Looks like mm -hmm. pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Peter will be back in just a couple of minutes with tonight's guests, so please stay with us. Welcome back. Now, our guests tonight are key parts of the EWTN team in Ireland. And they're here to share with us some of the religious history of that country, which, as many of you would know, has provided the United States and many other countries around the world with missionaries throughout the centuries, as well as lots and lots of congregants because so many Irish have come here. And they've made a film called Faith of Our Fathers, which highlights the sacrifices and the dangers that came with living the Catholic faith during the penal times in Ireland when the British Empire was persecuting the Catholics in Ireland. So we would like you to please welcome the executive producer of Faith of Our Fathers, Mr. Aidan Gallagher, and the film's producer and director, Mr. Campbell Miller. Aidan, good to have you here. Great Welcome. To be here. Campbell, good Thanks. to see you Thank again. You. Good yeah. to have you back. Um, it's a fine film which we are going to broadcast here at EWTN. Mm -hmm. And uh, so folks will get a chance to see what we're talking about. But Let's start off with the first issue. Why was this called the penal times? The penal times is derived from Latin, meaning penalty. Mm -hmm. And in those years of the penal years from 1695 approximately to 1828, roughly the 1600s to the 1800s, mm -hmm. there were severe penalties put upon 
Catholics who practiced their faith, but just not that. It wasn't just specific to the practicing of the faith. It related to the ownership of land, the right to vote, to the right to receive a Catholic education, and the right to own land. Mm -hmm. So if you were a practicing Catholic, you were not allowed to own land? Correct. And you could not vote? Correct. And, and again, this is a time when there was the restored monarchy after the uh, English Civil War uh, was a constitutional type of, not quite constitutional, but it, there were votes for parliament and such. And Ireland would have been re represented in the one parliament, the, the English parliament. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting piece of history, and I think it's very good that it's even brought up at this early stage in this program because in that period of history, not only was the Mass forbidden, the Catholic faith forbidden in Ireland, it was also forbidden in Britain. For example, in 1558, under the reign of uh, Queen Elizabeth I, Mass was outlawed. So it was mm -hmm. forbidden to celebrate Mass <coughs> in England, mm -hmm. and that was by the, in the year 1558. And just for our American viewers, as maybe perhaps not too many people understand around the world, the penal laws also applied to the colonies in America. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the specific year for you uh, at this particular moment, but we know from talking to our colleagues here that mass was also banned in the colonies in the United States. In this country, it's an interesting history that most Americans don't know. The, there was one Catholic colony, and that was the colony of Maryland. And Lord Baltimore was given permission to start it on one condition, that there was freedom of religion. And what's interesting is that the first colony to give freedom of religion was the specifically Catholic colony. Mm -hmm. You did not have freedom of religion, certainly in New England, which were Puritan, Congregationalist, and Baptist, mm -hmm. um, uh, nor in Virginia and the Southern colonies, which were uh, Anglican. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then a few years after Maryland, Pennsylvania was started also with freedom of religion mm -hmm. as uh, a Quaker colony. Mm -hmm. So all the colonies were officially religious. And, but only two gave freedom of religion. And in Maryland, because of it, Protestants moved in, outnumbered the Catholics, and made Catholicism and the Mass illegal in the Catholic colony. Mm. So there are priest holes in Maryland. Wow. Uh, there are a number of houses that have, the, they're called priest holes because priests could hide there. Mm. You know, when the uh, English police and soldiers came looking for them. They're mm -hmm. priest hunters, which comes up in this video, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. We, uh, we have both of those. And priest holes were predominantly in Britain. Um, mm -hmm. And it was the, uh, the Catholics that had a bit of money would have had the, the house that was suitable for having a priest hole in a place that we could actually hide. Um, a priest, but we felt that it was an important part of the penal history to actually have that in our story. And of course, our story about Father John Lochran, um, th this priest that's on the run, mm -hmm. um, it's completely fictional, but each of those moments that we've brought in there, including the, that of the priest hole, um, is uh, something that actually did happen back then to certain priests. My impression is that Father Lachlan was more of a, uh, uh, an amalgamation of a number of stories, sort of a lot of priest stories and laity stories compressed into one so that you just got the, the, the experience of what was normal in those very horrible times. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one of the other things too is from I, 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 the sense I got from watching the movie is that 
it was also illegal to speak the Irish language, Gaelic. Is that correct? It is. Um, they, uh, they had banned the Irish language and we felt that in this movie we would like to bring the language into it. Um, not so much that it, it took over the movie um, because we wanted people to understand what, what was happening at the time. So we brought in head schools and in head schools because the Catholic, uh, you were not allowed to have Catholic education and we had these teachers, um, who these scholars, who may have been going on to be uh, become a nun or become, um, you know, part of the clergy. Uh, they would take up this role as being a teacher, and it was illegal for to be a Catholic teacher. So during the head school, um, and also in the movie, you get to see the teacher teaching the kids the Catholic or uh, the Irish language. Um, and also teaching them how to pray. And they had them in hedges because, um, again, it was illegal, that it had to be hidden. And when the weather was good, they could be outside. The hedge, you know, uh, protected them in two ways against one, against weather, but two um, from actually being seen. But of course, when uh, the weather was a wee bit more harsher, um, they were able to do it indoors and barns and that. and. Uh, but still, it was uh, not being seen by the crown. We have come across a lot of problems in our public school system, uh, and sometimes in the Catholic schools even, and uh, with political correct, wokeness, mm -hmm. and anti-Catholicism being taught. So people homeschool, and you couldn't even homeschool. It's just hedgerows, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is so. All you homeschoolers, you count your blessings. Um, but we have a uh, uh, let's let's show a little clip mm -hmm. of that use of the Irish language and the, that the, the schools you're talking about. it's more agam and al shashin of Astia. Tashek o hintak shiv a akail. Kajaya dolum shiv in you. You would you fall if we stare? I guess credit the hearing. And why if I? For me agad, asana upper intak and inigrian. So this is typical of totalitarian governments in history. I mean, the, the Soviets would try to, in, or they did, force students in the Eastern Bloc countries to learn Russian, so with eventual hopes that they would forget their native language. Uh, sometimes this was enforced by the Nazis. Uh, you know, this is, uh, and the, the communist Chinese mm -hmm. uh, try to do some of this. This is, you know, the, the typical of totalitarians. Forget your language and forget your culture. Stop your education in that culture. And you just learn what we allow you to learn and nothing more. That, that's what they were up against in addition in addition to the attacks on their faith. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we decided on the title of the movie, Faith of Our Fathers, because it was the faith that brought the Irish people through, you know, through those centuries of hardship. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not being able to be allowed to learn the language at that time, not to be allowed to practice their faith, but that the very heart, the very essence of this movie, Father Mitch, is you know, the stoicism that comes from the Holy Spirit that made the faith endure. Mm -hmm. uh, as Sister Bridge McKenna said, 
Ireland's loyalty to the Mass, to the Holy Eucharist, Ireland's loyalty to Our Lady, you know, through the Rosary. It's nothing short of a miracle. You know, for me, it's the proof of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. that even though there were so many people uh, persecuted for their faith in those historic times, that the faith continued. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, as I said, at a recent conference in Rome that um, our Lord said, you know, in, in the world you will have trouble, but fear not, you know, I've overcome the world. Mm -hmm. um, we learned, I was researching some aspects of history and apparently during Cromwell's reign of terror in Ireland from roughly 1642, this is just a portion of uh, the havoc that he reigned at that point. Mm -hmm. So 1642 to 1655, there was 610,000 people died as a result. 610,000. This is 610,000. In modern times, that seems small. It tragically. Does. Tragically. It does. Because, the, you know, the, between the National Socialists killing 10 million people in concentration camps and the communists of Soviet Union, 61.9 million in concentration camps and starvation. Mm -hmm. 600,000 seems so small, but what was the size of Ireland in well, those days? It was 42% of the population. Exactly. 42%. So, so in a society that was just over a million people, 1.5 million. Yeah. Yes. This is 42 percent. That's right. That would be the equivalent of losing in the United States uh, a good 150 million or more. Mm -hmm. But know, the, po the point I wanted to make is that it's the faith of our fathers, like it totally uh, bucks the trend of, of uh, <laughs> natural law, if you like, where if you remove 42% of the population, you'd think that people would just lay down, uh, you know, turn away from their faith, but through the Holy Spirit, that's not what happened. It was the Eucharist, the Rosary, and the really strong common good bond between people that gives them such stoicism, gives them such dedication. The, it's important to talk about this because the same story applies to the, the nation of my own background, Poland, which didn't exist from the 1770s until 1919. And then within 20 years of liberation was invaded by first the Germans and then the Russians. And through all of that time, it was the, the Catholic faith that held the Polish people as a people, gave them their identity. More, they were divided between Russia, Prussia, and Austria for a century and a half. The same is true of the Lebanese. After they were invaded, the Lebanese Maronite Christians living in the mountains, it was their Maronite Catholic faith that held them together. The Greeks had the same experience in their faith when the Turks took over Greece and Greek, other Greek-speaking uh, areas. The power of Jesus Christ and his church and the faith he gives sustains people through awful situations. And it's tragic because one of the things that you do with the film, I think you bring it into some of the modern tensions by you have this story told to a teenage boy in modern Ireland through finding a diary, correct? That's right. And it's important that for doing that, we wanted that the, the story, the, the persecution um, that the Irish people went through back then to hold the faith to be um, the realization that that is just as important today as it was uh, back then because there is underlying persecution still happening to the church in mm -hmm. developed countries but also those countries in where there is um, complete physical uh, persecution um, and it is, is banned. 
So we, we want the people to realize that um, and understand that this can happen again. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to look out for. And our ancestors back then in Ireland, um, you get to see what they had to go through just so that we could have the freedom of having our faith today. Well, you use a boy, a teenage boy, who wants to sleep in and play video games rather than go to Sunday Mass with his family. He's not alone in Ireland, is he? No, and and you're right. Or the United States. I mean, the the faith is not what it once was in Ireland. That's right. Nor here. Yeah, yeah. And we we wanted... um, I mean, parents can also watch that and they can relate to, you know, having to get your teenager up out of bed, your kids, and get them ready for mass. And they, of course, they want to do other things, but you're obviously wanting them to realize the importance of, of, of mass um, through, you know, mass itself, but also from watching a movie like this that you can see, well, this is what your people went through. This is so that you can freely get up, get into that car, drive to the chapel and have mass today um, and our ancestors so many of them died um, our our bishops were banned um, they were put out of the country um, priests were on the run and um, they asked priests to be registered at the time um, so that the crown forces knew what they were doing and other other priests and very very few give themselves up to move to the Anglican Church. So a lot was happening to the Catholic faithful at that time. Well, in contrast to the kid who wants to stay in his pajamas, play video games, and miss Mass, let's take a look at a clip about what it was like to try and celebrate Mass in the forests with soldiers chasing down the priest. Let's take a look at this. Corpus Christi. Amen. Mother, mother. Shh. Mother. Shh. The raccoons. The raccoons are here! It's me, though. Save yourselves and run! Seek and ye shall find, men. No! Leave them! Go after the priest! And, you know, in there, the, the, the priest eventually gets caught. I and mean, that's one key part of this whole movie. The priest is caught and imprisoned and tortured, you know, beaten and, and such. It's not some of the other tortures that have gone on, but, in, but he was beaten horribly, you know, throughout this. And again, priests who were caught in Elizabethan times, they weren't just beaten, they were hung, drawn, and quartered. You know, the, um, you know it's, it's, it strikes me as so odd. I think of the British as so polite, but they have a cruel streak in them, as we've seen in how they treated people in India and in Ireland and uh, sometimes here. I mean, when you set up that kind of persecution, it, it hardens aspects of your conscience so that here the soldier can quote Jesus Christ and say, seek and you will find, but it, out of his mouth it becomes a mockery mm-hmm. of the gospel as he stops the mass that Jesus Christ established using Jesus' words to do that. This is something that, you know, and they're not the only ones. It's not, I don't want to pick on the British. This is including them, but this has happened throughout history. In Mexico, mm-hmm. Catholics, who turned against the faith for the government, 
did the same thing to priests in the 20th century. And we have lots and lots of martyrs of priests and lay people in Mexico, which is so Catholic. But when they turn bad, they turn very, very bad. And it's important, uh, as you just mentioned, to know they did this to their own people. They did this also happened in Britain. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just to Catholics. Uh, Presbyterians were persecuted, Protestant dissenters were persecuted at that time in both Ireland and Britain. And we have a moment in the movie where you get to see the Presbyterians actually helping um, the, the, the Catholic priest. But um, we, it's very important for us and for people to realize when they watch it that, that it isn't an anti-British uh, or anti-Crown movie because mm -hmm. We do have a priest hunter in there. And again, uh, like those other countries, people turn. So we had these criminals who got opportunities to get out of prison if they helped hunt down priests and work for the British Crown. Mm -hmm. So Irish men did turn up uh, against uh, their own. Um, these were no doubt Catholics that turned against uh, their own religion, their own Irish people and we have a predominant character in this movie called Maloney who helps them track the priest and especially down to that moment where we just watched. Yeah, uh, this use of criminals to help a totalitarian government is again kind of typical mm -hmm. and the Germans would use criminals as the capos or the head prisoners in the concentration camps and they were meaner to the other prisoners than were the German soldiers. My goodness. You know, it, it's, it, you pick someone who's already got at least a compromised moral position mm -hmm. and that doesn't understand right from wrong so clearly and you put them in charge of people that are imprisoned for being Jewish mm -hmm. or for being good Catholics and so on, they become even more vicious than the ones who come up with theorize this. So th this is not the last mm -hmm. use of such people in mm -hmm. history. We have an, uh, uh, another clip of the soldiers doing a search uh, of the houses. Let's take a look at that quickly. Where is he? Please, sir. Please, sir. Where's the priest? Please, sir. Please, sir. Just leave us alone. Do not test my patience. Just leave us. Leave us, please. Get them outside, Tyburn. No. No. Don't, don't you touch my children. Don't touch him. Oh, oh, get out. Where is he? Who, sir? <laughs> no! <laughs> she knows more than she's letting on, sir. part of a scene that gets actually more tense. It does. And you, you know, so folks know that this is, uh, again, we, we have folks who don't simply want to have a different faith. There's this opposition to the faith that has this mean quality to its antagonism that goes beyond and you, you have a sense uh, because the, uh, of something more sinister than just doing a job. It's, there's a hatred for Catholicism that is portrayed, but it's not just you guys putting that into the movie. When you read about 
the, the persecution of the English Catholics, mm -hmm. you see the same thing. Mm -hmm. that, that it's a vitriol that mm -hmm. is very nasty. Yeah. Father, in, in, in my opinion, you know, it just is a, an example of the eternal battle, if you like, between good and evil. Mm -hmm. Because as, my, um, as my, my friend at home, a guy called Damien Richardson, said recently, uh, he was just telling me about some, a letter that Cromwell had written back to the king at the time. And he said, that the letter went as follows, a portion of it, it said, you've given me the guns, you've given me the weapons, but you didn't tell me about the faith of these people who simply hold their beads above their head when they're threatened, you know, with a bayonet or a gun. So that was the simplicity of the Irish people. Mm -hmm. And again, I just wanted to draw viewers back to the very substance of the movie because it's the faith of devotion to the Eucharist by very simple people, you know, uh, that we're talking about the 1600s, the 1800s, uh, largely uneducated, like uh, when they were threatened, you know, it seems ludicrous from a, you know, a natural world point of view to hold your beads above your head as a defense. But because they were a praying people, and that's what we tried to very clearly show in the film, mm -hmm. the power of family prayer mm -hmm. in the cottage each night. You know, it just wasn't about attending mass at the Mass Rock. It was observance of family prayer, the commitment of the family, you know, to the faith, which really helped perpetuate, you know, that commitment against some of the, you know, terrible persecution you know, mm -hmm. that we've just witnessed on the screen there. Yeah. And, and again, as Campbell was saying, you know, these are, are historic issues, you know, and what we're trying to do is by revealing them, they can speak into, as you were saying earlier, some examples in the modern world where, uh, again, uh, when we show, sh screen the, the movie at the recent Santa Croce conference in Rome, just in May, there were people from four different countries came forward and said, wow, although your movie has been set in the penal times back then, that movie is still very pertinent to our countries today. And that was Pakistan, mm -hmm. India, and uh, the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were asking for the movie to be translated, to be act as an inspiration for priests. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very, again, just to remind viewers of the substance of it, you know, not to be carried away by the horror of the torch that went on, but more that the manifestation of Christ was really in the people mm -hmm. and helped them as, as, a, as a, an old poem from a prayer book that my mother used to quote. She said, who does God's work will get God's pay, however long may be the day. Though powers and princes thunder nay, who does God's work will get God's pay. So even though these atrocities uh, did happen in the penal times, it, the martyr's blood was so, so powerful for the Irish nation and for the church in general. We have to take a little break, but again, I want to encourage you to watch this movie, Faith of Our Fathers. It will be on Wednesday, July 19th tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Also be repeated on Saturday, July 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And again on Monday, July 24th at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time, also on EWTN. I hope you get a chance to watch one of those uh, viewings of this movie. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes, so please stay with us. Welcome back. 
First of all, I want to remind you that just a little over a month from now, about five weeks from now, we will be having the 2023 EWTN Family Celebration. That will be on Saturday, August 26th, at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex. And that's right here in Birmingham, Alabama, right where I-65, I-20, and I-59 intersect, so it's easy to get to. And if you want to find out more about this, you can go to our EWTN.com slash family celebration. EWTN.com slash family celebration. Or you can also call one 800 447 3986-1-800-447-3986 to register for this event. And the price is good. It's free. But we just need to know how many of you are coming uh, and make sure that there's enough places for all of you to be there. All right? Good day. Hopefully we'll see you there. Now, we're continuing on our conversation about this new movie, Faith of Our Fathers, about Ireland during the time of the penal laws when Catholicism was illegal in Ireland. And we we're discussing this with the producer, Aidan Gallagher, and the director, Campbell Miller. So good to be back with you all here. Um, you know, one, one part of the relevance that I still don't think enough of our own Catholic folk in the United States really resonate with because they don't hear enough about it. We've had over the last year and a half 300 churches uh, desecrated, you know, attacked in some ways. Um, you know, we have uh, freedom of religion uh, in this country, but there are those who feel free to attack our religion. And, you know, statues of Our Lady that are outdoors, and some churches have been set on fire, things like that. And it's underreported in the secular news. Some of it is relatively minor. Some of it is more significant, including uh, burning a one of the historic California missions, you know, setting it on fire. Um, you know, so this is going on, and meanwhile, our folks are not coming to church that much. When I was a kid, it was about 85% of Catholics in this country attended Mass. Now it's about 25 to 30%. Um, and, but that's, and that's across the board. You know, people don't join anything. Everybody's isolating into individualism. That's kind of what is going on in your movie. This kid isolates himself from the rest of his family. I want to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to play, sit in bed and play video games. Um, he's isolating himself from his family, going to church, and from Christ and Mass. This, this is a call for people all over the, the range of Catholicism to pay attention to what's at stake. That's right. Um, the child is doing that. And you've mentioned some facts there that are happening within the US and the same thing is happening in Ireland where uh, the numbers going to mass are a lot lower. And even in my own parish, where you used to have four masses over the weekend, now you're, you know, down to two. And um, so we're we're seeing that impact. And what is happening is that that se that sense of community that once was is now being you know split up and desecrated. And and as the kid in the the movie, you know, he's he's trying to remove himself from that. And where the parents are doing their best and coaxing them to, you know, to try and get to mass, and we wanted to, we wanted to show that in the movie that these parents were still trying to get him to go, um, and but he does at the very end make a really good decision um, and decides to go back. And 
community was a big part of the Irish people even during that penal period. They mm. been part of uh, the mass and making sure that they were going there even though it, it was illegal. Um, so we need to see that today and maybe you know we don't want to be under that same persecution that they went through and maybe that's why the faith was held on to so tightly um but we're lucky that we have these freedoms so hopefully that that, that catholic community can start to rebuild here in the u.s but also in, in ireland and other parts of the developed world you know the, the those penal times in ireland have been perhaps somewhat justifiably blamed for the reason that American Catholics don't sing very well at Mass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> I know, that, that, and here, here was the logic that, that there, there was a book called Why Catholics Don't Sing or Can't Sing, something like that. Mm. And in they said, the, during the penal times, the Irish didn't dare sing they'd be caught. Mm -hmm. They had to keep mass quiet. They had a sort of simple chant that they had worked out, but you know they had to keep quiet mm -hmm. That's right. because they'd be caught. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. the, the first large group of Catholics that came to this country were the Irish during the potato famine. Mm -hmm. And they still didn't sing when they had freedom of religion. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's had an effect, whereas a lot of the hymns that we do use in this country come from the German Catholics mm -hmm. who had these wonderful strong hymns you know that that we sang uh, they're, they're more you know they're made for German so you know they have a rhythm that fits that language um, you know just uh, like other languages every language has its own rhythm but the Irish didn't do much of that, so <laughs> we didn't have as much of that here. I think one thing that is very, you know, clear about the movie is obviously the people's dedication, you know, to the mass rock. But even for the viewers, it may be helpful for us to explain what. Yeah, the mass what is rock. a mass rock? I, I was wondering about because uh, you know we had some people trying to do rock masses. Mm -hmm. That was different. What did you mean by the mass rock? Yeah. So because the Catholic faith was outlawed during the penal times, it was prudent <laughs> to have it in a place that was barren or really removed from uh, the village or where you know, the people may live. You, so you couldn't it, have it in the village church? Certainly not, certainly not. So you had to have it basically in a very removed part of the world and the best idea and Ireland has just proliferated positively with mass rock sites. Uh -huh. So it's, it's likely to be a very high rock, hence the name mass rock. And why is it in a high place? Because naturally you would have to have lookouts to see if the soldiers were coming. You'd naturally have to have lookouts to see how far in terms of time, how long did you have to escape and to protect the priest. And that's a big thing about the movie that is sometimes very subtle. Uh, it's the love and the care for the protection of the priest that the community has and how revered he is within the community. And even as Camel alluded to earlier, even by those who weren't Catholics, because it was a community bond, uh, as we probably know, the definition of the penal laws is uh, the laws that were against Catholics and non-conformist Protestants. So there was a, a and by non-conformist that meant they did not conform to the Church of England. Correct. So which was headed by the king, and that's one of the points you bring mm -hmm. out. Yes. That this was perceived by the English as not only a difference of religion that was a false religion of Catholicism in their mind, but also disloyalty to the king mm -hmm. because that he was the head of the church. Yes, yes. And there's actually just incidentally, there are plenty of writings uh, that detail uh, the Presbyterians leaving Ireland at that point and leaving Britain to go to another country because of the persecution. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a very interesting article in the Irish Times, for example, it was called Irish Man's Diary uh, way back in the in the 
it was the 1990s that detailed you know, the Ulster Scots moving from uh, Britain and Ireland to Canada to, mm -hmm. to settle. Yes. But the point getting back to the Mouse Rocks was that it had to be held in secret and obviously that had to be an elevated place. And uh, again, in Ireland, there are hundreds of mass rock sites and many of them are commemorated in terms of a, either a beautiful plaque or a very significant piece of accurate history about you know, what actually happened mm -hmm. there. And this, uh, again, has been the story of Catholics in so many times and places. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, you know, I knew a priest who was captured by the communist Chinese and imprisoned back in the 1950s. And after he'd been in there for a few years, finally a package was allowed to be sent from his family. And she sent, his mom sent him Neko candy, uh, which is a little wafer, chocolate-flavored uh, sugar wafer. Mm -hmm. In between each candy, she put a host mm -hmm. so he could celebrate mass in his prison cell. And she sent him a bottle of medicine that was actually mass wine. Mm -hmm. And he used the cap as a chalice. Mm -hmm. And it, stories like that exist in communist Russia with the Orthodox and the Eastern Rite Catholics, the Byzantine Catholics there. Mm -hmm. It happened in Germany. It happened all over mm -hmm. where the church is pretty, that Jesus is so important that priests found ways mm -hmm. to celebrate Mass. But that's also part of the love that the people had. The priests took this great risk to have mass, the people reciprocated that love with care for him and protection and willingness to risk their lives with him to have mass. It was a symbiotic relationship. And I think that's part of the key to the problem in Ireland and here, as too many priests sought their own selfishness. And that bond is broken when they do that. The, the priest scandal is about priests seeking themselves mm -hmm. instead of Christ and the people. Mm -hmm. And the bond was broken. And we priests have to remember, we give ourselves and the people reciprocate. But if we are self-centered, that bond is broken between us. And that's, I think that's one of the keys. Does that make sense? No, no it does. And as you were speaking there, I was just reminded of the time that um, Father John Paul, one of the Franciscans, visited Ireland in, during the Eucharistic Congress in 2018. Mm -hmm. And he and I traveled to Drogheda mm -hmm. to visit the relics of uh, St. Oliver Plunkett. Mm -hmm. And we just fortuitously bumped into someone in the church that was very knowledgeable about Oliver Plunkett. And it spoke to the point you're after making about how sacrificial you know, priests in that time were. So the point in hand being Oliver Plunkett, uh, obviously we know that he was the last martyr um, from, from Ireland, uh, canonized. And he spent so many years hiding in a tree in terms of that's where his home was. Uh, but you know, historians say that contributed to his ill health in his uh, in his years. Because, but the, the locals, it's very interesting for your viewers to maybe know the locals in the County Louth area can point you to that tree, where historically it's been passed down from gener generation to generation that that is where uh, Oliver Plunkett uh, hid. You know, during that, but it, my point is the sacrifice. Like, <laughs> it may be, you know, to spend one night in a tree is terms of a place that's supposed to be comfortable, maybe comfortable for sleeping is one thing, but to spend two years, you know, during the winter, freezing conditions, uh, snow, ice, and you rain. can't turn on the furnace in a tree; you'll burn <laughs> the whole tree. There goes your house. But, but you know, it's a sacrifice, sacrificial nature and the heroism you know, of the priests that uh, sustained 
you know, the faith. Yeah. And, and again, the heroism of the laity that took their risks to bring them food and to come to Mass, to attend. That, again, you show that throughout the film. That's right. Uh, very wonderfully. Yeah, and uh, at the very start we see uh, one of the market traders actually giving the priest food for himself but also for the children that's at, at the school. And they didn't take just a risk for the Mass, but we also see it within the movie um, was the risk that was taken um, by the priests for to give it for the sacraments, where mm -hmm. you actually see young Mary in the movie, um, there's confession, um, having her first Holy Communion in the house. And uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, the Irish and the singing. We decided to bring in a couple of Irish songs from that period, mm -hmm. and young Mary actually sings a song that is, was very important to the Irish people then. And when our viewers are reading that subtitle, you would think that she's singing about her Valentine. She's, th she's singing a song mm -hmm. about a boy. Actually, it is code, and she's talking about Our Lady. And will we be meeting Our Lady? Will we be meeting Our Valentine? Will we be meeting Our Lady? So, is there mass going to be taking place? So, the Irish people would use the, these songs as code, so that they knew there was a mass uh, and the where actually to go. The English had done similar things, that they would put things in code so that they could, you know, talk about uh, the, the faith in different secret ways that, you know, would seem almost like children's rhymes, but mm -hmm. were, mm -hmm. you know, about the liturgy. I want to thank you for making the film. I really enjoyed watching it. And we hope that you get a chance to watch it. Again, it's Wednesday, July 19th. Uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, on Saturday, July 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, and Monday, July 24th at 1.30 a.m. Eastern, all on EWTN. Thank you both Thank for you. being with us. you come a long way. We say we bring you guests from around the world. You've done it. And want to thank all of you, too. May Almighty God bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and lead you in all of your ways by his peace, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we can bring you this special and so many other movies and programs only because the network is brought to you by you. So please keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill, and we'll be able to pay our bills too. God bless you and thank you.